0: Up to $100. Just visit slash Play100 and use code Play100. That's code Play100 at slash Play100 for a first deposit match up to a $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Q's podcast covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football.
2: Today on the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's football win in the Camping World Bowl and the start of ACC play for Syracuse basketball. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse.com's Chris Carlson. Chris, thanks so much for coming back on the program, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah,
1: happy time, Wes. Uh, heck, of, heck of a year, and, and happy 2019.
2: Thanks very much, Chris. And I want to get you started on this one. The last time Syracuse football finished the regular season with 10 wins and a top 25 ranking, we were both in college writing for the Daily Orange, and we're pretty old. So, is this the most surprising team that you've ever covered?
1: Uh, I think, on the positive side, I think absolutely. Um, you know, Syracuse football has not had a season like this since I've been covering them. Uh, and the only thing that I think comes close here, if you fans aren't going to want to be reminded of this, but but was the John Gill and Andrew White basketball team when Jim Beheim told it might, it might be one of his most talented ever, and then they made the NIT. Uh, that was probably just as surprising, but in the opposite direction. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, as, as far as good surprise, I think so.
2: And Chris, with the 10 wins, Dino Bapers is a hot coaching commodity and the Miami job was open for all of 12 hours on Sunday and there were some rumblings that Bapers was going to be linked to that. He's probably going to be linked to a lot of other job openings in the future even with the contract extension. Do you think Bapers actually stays long-term at Syracuse?
1: You know, I kind of look at it like this. Uh, I think he w- he wants to win a national championship. I'm not sure you can do that at Syracuse. But I also think there are only a handful of jobs in the country that you can do that at. And those are schools that can pretty much pick their coach every single year. So Dino Babers has to be the hot coach of the entire coaching cycle in the years that those schools have an opening for him to not be the head coach at at Syracuse. So, you know, to me, the odds to say that he's probably the coach at Syracuse. Now, does that mean, you know, he doesn't want to go anywhere? I don't think anybody knows, Dino know, Babers well enough to say that. Uh, does that mean if one of those jobs is open, I think he's going to stay at, stay at Syracuse? No. But, but I think just the, the confluence of events that would have to happen for him to get one of those jobs is so unlikely that you have to think he ends his career at Syracuse because he likes it. Uh, he has it going here. Um, he trusts the people he, he's working with. And he recognizes it's a good situation. Is it the best situation in the world? No. But is it a very good situation? Absolutely.
2: Chris, let's talk about Eric Dungy. He leaves Syracuse as the school's record holder in passing yards, among so many other categories. Where do you have him in your all-time rankings for SU quarterbacks?
1: You know, I think I have him top three. That, that that to me, is where the debate is. Um, you know, I, I think it's time with McNabb has to be one. Uh, you know, I, I think... Uh, Don McPherson to, to win a national title, he has to be two, uh, and, and then you get kind of Eric Dungey or Marvin Graves. Um, Eric Dungey did it with less, uh, but he's also certainly won less than Marvin Graves did. Um, and, and if you want to throw Ryan Nassib in there too, I, I think you can. You know, I put Dungey above well, Ryan Nassib, um, but to me, those are like kind of the five, um, and I personally put Dungey at three. Uh, But if you have him four or five, uh, I think that's a a fun barroom debate for people to have.
2: And Chris, staying on the topic of Eric Dungy, do you see him as, and I won't necessarily say an NFL quarterback, but do you see him as an NFL caliber player, or is he just a great college player and that's it?
1: You know, uh, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback, because I just think if he does the things that make him special at college, he's going to get killed. I don't think he can do those things at the NFL level. We've seen him take too many hits in, in college to think that that would hold up at the quarterback position. Um, I've heard some people compare him to like a Taysom Hill. Uh, I have no idea how that would look. So, you know, my instinct is to say, no, he's probably just a nice college player, but, but I have no idea how he would look and how he would fit into that type of, of role. Um, it, it's really not even something that I can kind of visualize. But I think if there's a place for him in the NFL, it's kind of as that type of guy rather than a quarterback.
2: And Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. Syracuse's non-conference schedule sets up nicely in 2019, and Syracuse gets Wake Forest, Pitt, Boston College, and Clemson at home. Do you see another 10-win season for the Orange, and can Syracuse get back in the New Year's Six consideration? Man, it,
1: because, I mean, if you look at the schedule now, the only game that you would probably have them as an underdog is Clemson, which is just kind of wild to think about. Um, so, so you've got to think that they have a chance at, at that season. Um, I will say this, though. I, I do think it's harder than just looking at that schedule and picking wins and losses. Uh, I think there's something, and Syracuse basketball fans can relate to this, I think there's something to be said for being the hunter rather than hunted, and and Syracuse football is going to get every team's best shot next season. I don't necessarily think that was, you know, the case this year. Um, They lose the offensive line, which which Dino Babers has said, you know, was kind of an unsung hero. Um, They lose three players off that, including both tackles. Um, And and then how do you do with a young quarterback who's not as mobile behind kind of a younger offensive line? You know, I, I think there's reason to be worried, and I don't think anybody should be assuming um, anything about the new Year's new year six. But, but is it possible? I mean, absolutely. We we could be talking about, you know, we could be where we're talking about you know uh, college football playoff rankings and talking about Syracuse's week non-conference schedule holding them back. I, I mean, that's how nicely the schedule sets up. So uh, it, it's going to be really <laughs> fun, I think, to watch next year.
2: Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the program again. My great friend, Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com. Great job as always. We'll speak with you soon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wes. anytime.
2: I was just doing the math in my head and I've now known Chris Carlson for 18 years. That's a pretty long time going back to the Daily Orange. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well, Wes, and Happy New Year to you and all of our fine, the juice, loyal listeners and readers.
2: Brad, Happy New Year to you as well, and let's chat about the basketball team. Syracuse routing St. Bonaventure over the weekend, 81-47. to 47. Syracuse looked much better on offense, using its defense to get out in transition. Do you think the SU offensive woes are behind them?
3: Well, I think it's a one-game improvement. <laughs> Let's see what happens, and we'll talk about the conference in just a moment when that opens up this coming weekend. But it was a one-game improvement against a down St. Bonaventure team, certainly not the team from a year ago uh, that excelled and beat Syracuse in the Dome. But it was encouraging because the team had a week off before that, so there was a lot of practice. Again, I alluded to it on our last podcast. Jim Beheim loves the month of December. He does so much teaching it's always built in with extra time with final exams. Usually the schedule plays out depending on the specific dates of the holidays, Christmas, and New Year's. There's a lot of extra time in there. And he's always been great at excelling using that time to really do a lot of teaching. I mean, almost going back to some things that are covered during September and early October preseason workouts. So it's encouraging from that standpoint as he's a longtime professor at 43 years teaching And the players picking up in this day and age are, are, you know, so many uh, distractions and uh, everyone's looking at video, et cetera. But concentrating on what their coaches are telling them to do and and doing that on the court, that's the sign encouraging, number one, albeit, yes, against a team that's down. Now let's really see what happens in conference play. But we saw the key to beating St. Bonaventure West, moving the ball in offense. It helps when you hit their shots. And, I'm always encouraged by any play underneath. If it's going to be Merrick uh you know, hustling and, and defending, if it's going to be Chukwu putting his few minutes in, and then Sidibe, that that's to me is going to be the key to the season. How, how much productivity, how much effectiveness we get at both ends of the court, at the five spot, no matter who's playing there, because we pretty much know about the other four players who are getting most of the playing time.
2: Brad, let's give our State of the Union as it relates to Syracuse basketball heading into 2019. Do you like the recent momentum of the team over the last two games or are you still concerned about the four losses in the non-conference schedule?
3: I can kind of see a combination of both there, Wes. Uh, Certainly there's momentum. It helps to win the last two non-conference games. It makes up a little bit for having lost the previous two last non-conference games. But uh, a little bit cautious because conference play now exists and the conference looks really, really heavy top to bottom to me. And the questions as I was alluding to at the number five spot on the court, as we look at the state of the union of the five players that played at the five spot, uh, Merrick Dolezal back in the starting lineup where he was very significant uh, after he replaced uh, the transfer last year uh, for the Orange and You know, you you need productivity at that spot and uh, replacing Matthew Moyer. And then Chukwu's come in. He's contributed but still has been ineffective and consistent. And Sidibe's minutes, again, you know, there's been some bright spots. I really think the key to the season is how that play at the number five spot is going to happen. Tyus Battle, State of the Union, we know he's good, 18, 20 points a night. Elijah Hughes has really shown lately, again, against maybe some lesser non-conference opponents, that he can be counted on for a consistent, you know, 15 points a game range. And then I guess the other, uh, asterisk there and, and, and intangible is O'Shea said, is he going to come on like he did at the end of his freshman year? Now at the end of his second season, I think he is. And again, I think what Jim Bayheim and the staff has done in practice is, is really going to show up. Uh, there's no secrets in ACC conference play. Every team knows everyone so well. Sometimes you play teams twice in a year or meet them again in the postseason. So no secrets here. And I think it's really a combination of both. I'm consciously optimistic as they go in because it opens up at Notre Dame. Certainly tough on the road, but then home games with Clemson and Georgia Tech. And I think the momentum from these non-conference wins will help as they open up ACC play.
2: Brad, let's talk more about ACC play now. How do you see the conference portion of the schedule playing out? Is Syracuse comfortably in the NCAA tournament this year? or Are they going to be sweating it out come Selection Sunday once again?
3: My first gut reaction is to say that this team is going to get a few more wins than last, team, last year's team had to sweat it out on Selection Sunday as the a- final team selected I think this team's going to have a little bit more margin for error this year so a little bit above the bubble so I guess that's looking at the ACC would place them somewhere in that seven range as I look right now as you you look at the pre-conference you know Virginia of course going undefeated and everyone's you know top ACC team at this point and Surprising to me is NC State. Sure, a little bit with some of their their opposition in non-conference. Only lost one out uh, of conference game. Duke as expected only lost once. And uh, Virginia Tech and Florida State. We knew they're going to be improving. And I see Syracuse competing at that level with Virginia Tech, Florida State, uh, Clemson, certainly North Carolina up in, in that that level with with Duke and Virginia uh, for the for that spot right in the middle. And it might come down to can they get two wins in the ACC tournament in Charlotte.
2: Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts.
3: Speaking of the ACC, I was thinking during the uh, ball season, Wes, that why is the ACC stuck on having two divisions for football when there's one division for basketball? And there's movement now among the Power Five football conferences to maybe move towards allowing them to have the top two teams in the standings play in a championship game as opposed to mandate two winners from separate conferences. And I really think that's the way to go. I know the conferences want to keep the championship games. They make a lot, a lot of money, and it's much-needed revenue to support all the functions of the league and all the support and all the events that they do in the community and for the universities and the student-athletes. But at the same time, I think it does not make sense, as Syracuse rounds out playing at Duke to finish his initial crossover sequence and joining the league, not to play the teams in your same league in a six- or seven-year gap. just does not make sense to me. So hoping is my final thought. The ACC with the new ACC Digital Network set up more type of games in the next three or four seasons against teams that may not play each other, I think would produce greater programming, better for the fan bases, and getting visit for all, visits from all the opponents in the conference at home venues more often than is currently happening.
2: Brad, my closing thoughts are on Tyus Battle, who was named ACC Player of the Week on Monday for the second time this season. He's the only player in the ACC to have won the honor twice so far, and the Orange is going to need a lot more of that production heading into 2019. That's it for us. We're Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that if you're violent but also creative, try paintball. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.
0: This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network.
2: Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it.